Hello and welcome. This is episode number three of Future Side Chat. Today we are talking vaccines. I'm joined today by some very regular scientists. Their names are Mike Attrell and Nick Maddox. How are you guys doing? Oh yeah, you guys are still muted. Ah, I'm doing I broke pretty it. well. I broke it. At least you guys. At least, well, Nick unmuted himself. There we go. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing good. Oh, I like your haircut. Thanks. See, it was a complete surprise. <laughs> <laughs> You're shaving too. Yep. I don't support this shaving. I, I didn't want to be bogged down by any excess hair. <laughs> sure. So today we are talking vaccines. As much as I would love to talk about facial hair all day, uh, that was for yesterday, and now today we're vaccines. Uh, so vaccines, I mean, Nick, Nick wrote, you wrote about this first in 2011. I think you cracked this case that nobody had really ever been talking about. Um, yep. So no one was talking about it at all until I wrote about it. <laughs> uh, do you want to give a little bit of background on uh, what piqued your interest back in 2011 and maybe give us a bit of background on, on vaccines and what the problem is that's facing us now? I think part of what piqued my interest was that uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was when we all had to get mumps boosters because mumps was breaking out on uh, university campuses on the East Coast because like there were a bunch of people that hadn't hadn't been vaccinated and all of a sudden it was going wild and I was like, what the hell is this? Why is this happening? And so yeah, that's that's what got me into it. Like and you know news reports, things like that. I think you had a second part to your question. What was that? Well, so just describe what the, the actual specific problem is that, like, why these are coming back. Well, I shouldn't have to. This has already been posted on the future side chat uh, blog, so I assume <laughs> everyone's read it. Well, it was also posted three years ago on uh, Vodka and Equations. Yeah, well, but to refresh the memory for those who, you know, read it in 2011. Yeah. Um, there has been concern expressed over vaccines of any sort. And uh, parents are choosing not to vaccinate their children because they're worried about side effects. That is the extremely short version of what's happening. Yeah, specifically side effects that uh, are either extremely rare or have no clinical proof of, in fact, clinical disproof of happening. Yeah. So things that people shouldn't be worried about. Well, I think they've, they've done studies with like eight figures of patients. Yeah. I think like tens of millions of patients and there's been no causal link established. Right. They're, they're basic, like there's, there are, uh, if you go on the internet, you can find all kinds of infographics and statistics about things that are more likely to happen than you get sick from a side effect of vaccines. Uh, basically, I mean, there are some risks associated with vaccines. They're not 100% effective, but compared to having the disease, they're so much better. They're hundreds, if not thousands of times more uh, better side effects than having the actual vaccine. Yeah. Um, the, the big examples that have come up recently in North America are as you mentioned, measles from the M measles mumps rubella vaccine. 
uh, and whooping cough from the whooping cough vaccine. Um, and so the, there, are, we actually can put a celebrity face on, as we usually can. There's there's somebody famous uh, who has gone on record as perhaps saying that there's a link between vaccines and, uh, in this particular case, autism. But it's not limited to um, people relating vaccines and autism. I think it's more than perhaps saying. <laughs> so Jenny McCarthy is the person. Um, and also Jim Carrey. Well, He's in on it too. He, he has to be though. <laughs> well, they're not together anymore. Oh, they're not? Oh, okay. Um, and Jenny actually this year went on record as saying that she doesn't think it anymore and that she's... But she basically did... She took... Like, she ran like a mile in the direction of vaccines are bad and this is like one or two steps back towards vaccines are good. Like she didn't... She didn't... She, like she caused all this trouble and now she's... She has supposedly um, vindicated herself by saying, no, I, I don't think that anymore. But she's not promoting vaccines being good. She's just been quoted as saying that they're not bad. Wasn't wasn't the whole thing like cuz her son she self-diagnosed him with autism and right. said it was because of vaccines and now it's like oh actually he doesn't have autism so right. it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like so I don't think it was even I don't think it was like oh well vaccines are okay but it's like oh well it's not relevant to me anymore kind of right. thing. Yeah. No, she she did say that it was a mistake. Um, and that she shouldn't have done all that work against right. vaccines, but it's kind of way too late now, and nobody care. Yeah. Nobody really cares about retractions as much as they care about the viral nature of the original headline. Mm -hmm. um, well, and people are still quoting the thoroughly discredited discredited paper from the Lancet in like 1998 which originally suggested a link between autism and the MMR vaccine. And, I mean, since then, it's even been shown. I'm not sure if it's been proven. They think, anyway, that autism it uh, actually starts in utero, so, like, before the baby is even born or has a chance to be vaccinated, yeah. they can develop autism. So that one is thoroughly debunked. But people, like, the damage is done and people are still talking about it. They just yeah. don't realize that it's been thoroughly discredited necessarily. Right. And the the doctor, if I'm not mistaken, who did the uh, research, <clears throat> I guess quote unquote research, has also been thoroughly discredited completely. Like he admitted that it was fraudulent and that he did it for grant money and that there there was absolutely no scientific basis for for the research, but I don't, I don't know that he's gone on record as being like as saying that he's a fraud. But it's, it's clear that at least that research was completely fraudulent. So he has officially retracted the paper. Yeah, the, the paper was retracted, yeah. Okay. But that, as is the case with a lot of papers that are retracted, they don't. That doesn't make headlines. They just sort of quietly remove it. And mm -hmm. I mean that works online, but anyone that has journals printed out or gets them delivered, they, it's still there. It's there, yeah. There's also a paper on, like, the benefits of homeopathy. <laughs> yes, and, exactly. Yeah, so that guy is still promoting it, but, like, 
every time he tried to publish, they were like, okay, you are making really fantastic claims, so we'd like to, you know, try and reproduce this experiment first. Yeah. And it's never been done, but the guy's paper is still out there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are papers on homeopathy that are still, that are not retracted, that are still out there as... Well, and they're probably not peer-reviewed either. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, and that's the thing is that with a lot of journals, you can pay to get stuff published that doesn't necessarily need to be peer-reviewed. And yep. all it takes is a, a news uh, organization to run away with the headline and things can get out of hand really quickly. Uh, so why don't we go a little bit back uh, and talk about sort of why vaccines are so important. Uh, and just, I, I wanted to go through, I was looking at the um, FDA list of approved vaccines and just looking at some of the biggest ones that uh, that have come out in the last century. So I would say the biggest by far is influenza. We're, we're giving it new influenza vaccines every year and they're still going on. Uh, the Spanish flu in 1918 killed millions of people and it didn't, I don't wouldn't say necessarily stopped the First World War, but it certainly hampered it because more people were dying from diseases than were actually being killed in combat. It was after, 1918 was after the armistice, wasn't, wasn't it? It was, yeah. it was around, it, I don't think it was a direct cause of the, the end, but it certainly didn't help. Like the fact that the troops were just dying on their own. No. No, sorry, but I thought that 1917 was the armistice and they weren't actively fighting anymore, but it took till 1919 for the treaty yeah. or something. Mike, do you know history? Future history chat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sports were also affected by that, but much less than the, much less impactful in the World War. Um, so smallpox... Oh, excuse me. It's no. been... No. blue. <laughs> Let me stop you right responsible there. Responsible for half of the unawarded Stanley Cups <laughs> in history. <laughs> this is a big deal. It was Stanley Cups and bickering. Those were the two <laughs> causes. Yeah. <laughs> On to more important things. Uh, smallpox is another vaccine that, or another disease that has been completely eradicated, except for a couple of laboratories where they're studying its effects and how they can. Treat, create other vaccines and that kind of thing. But smallpox is not a disease that people have to worry about anymore. You don't even have to get vaccinated anymore because there just there's none of it. Uh, polio is another. I think there's still some cases of polio in in Africa and in third world countries, but North America you don't get vaccinated. It's we went through the rounds of vaccination and it's gone now. Here, uh, measles again. That one's coming back, but. Uh, I was reading, and they basically, before 1963, when the virus was, or when the vaccine was created, uh, they had 500,000 cases a year. And then in the years after, like the 20 years after, it got down to 50,000 cases. And now outbreaks are like 100 cases a year. So, and that was in 2011. So the, measles has actually started coming back so that outbreaks are getting to a few hundred or even 500 uh, cases a year. But it's still, even with with these people not vaccinating, uh, and, and I should mention that with measles and with a lot of these, uh, it is kids, it is school-aged children that are in classrooms that are transmitting this disease because their parents are not vaccinating them. Um, 
so hepatitis is another big one that's sort of more for traveling, but we have vaccines like Twinrix vaccine that you take when you're going to a tropical country. Uh, that's for two kinds of hepatitis. And then the other ones I thought of are just tetanus and rabies. Those are just, I mean, I, I, I've never gotten the rabies vaccine. But <laughs> I know we got tetanus vaccines and boosters and all that in school. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's really no discounting the importance of vaccines in the 20th century. It's improved our quality of life. The fact that we get, they, they develop a new flu vaccine every year. Um, is really great because the, the flu the flu uh, virus is so it like it's all over the place. So the flu vaccine is basically our best guess of what the next flu is going to be. The um, flu the flu vaccine also represents like many different yeah is species the word or strains yeah like it represents ninety percent of like the mix of influenza you'll encounter in the wild. Yeah, so th there are. Um, I don't even remember. We we covered this in chemistry. There, like the, there's H1N1. So they're base. It's like there's and there's I think there's five different types of H and nine or eleven or something. Mm -hmm. types of, and uh, and so you can't possibly cover all of them. So there are cases of the flu every year. But with, I mean, with a vaccine, you're way less likely to contract the disease. And if you do get it it'll be a lot less severe because you've already got antibodies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that leads pretty well into, I don't know if, Nick, if you want to talk a bit about um, some of the sort of misconceived dangers of vaccines. Uh, like, for instance, people thinking that you can get the virus or that you, you will get sick from a vaccine because, there's, because you're injecting yourself with a virus. Okay, well... Normally, when you're vaccinated against something, they're using either it's either a sample of the virus that's already dead or perhaps sterilized. So they've done something to it. They've treated it somehow so that it can't actually reproduce. And if the virus can't reproduce, then you don't have an infection. So there are a lot of people that say, oh, I got the flu shot and then I got sick like right away. That's actually like your body saying, oh, whoa, there's like flu viruses around. We got to, we got to do something. And so you might experience, I don't know, chills, elevated temperature, soreness, like the symptoms you would get from an actual, you know, from an actual flu infection, but it's going to hit you for a day or two, maybe instead of like knocking you out for a couple weeks as it would if you actually got the flu. Yeah. Um, what are some other common misconceptions? Well, there's what, also people saying like, go ahead. Well, I was going to just mention mercury, for instance, is one of the chemicals that has been in the preservatives of some vaccines. But the, I mean, any chemical you you hear the word mercury, and obviously people are going to think this is dangerous, <laughs> and because uh, mercury is poisonous, and it's important to know that to know the difference between different types of mercury. I mean, mercury isn't always poisonous in every form. Uh, the fact that there's such a tiny amount of mercury in a vaccine to preserve it, uh, the benefits of having it be preserved and stay viable for when, when it's actually injected is much um, safer than, than not getting the vaccine at all. Well, and the dose makes the poison. Yeah, so exactly. like, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I've actually read up on that one specifically, and it, I can't recall the figures off the top of my head, but there's, you know, the amount of mercury in a vaccine, and then there's the amount of mercury that your body can handle, and that's like, you know, this much, or, you know, some factor yeah. larger. And, uh, yeah, actually it's often the preservatives that cause problems with vaccines, like the severe reactions you'll hear about. Yeah. And that's because someone has, oval. I think ovalbumin is a common one. Like, people will be allergic to a formaldehyde preservative or an egg protein in the vaccine or something like that. That's usually, you know, a different pre-existing condition that they're probably going to run into at some point or another. It just, you know, if it's from a vaccine, that's probably when you found out, and that might be why you associate vaccines with bad reactions happening. Yeah. Uh, there's a... the... Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Oh, just that the other thing that people tend to do, and kind of along that same line, is there's the, the uh, chemical phobia knee-jerk reaction to, oh, they're putting chemicals in my body or whatever, right? And it's like everything's a chemical. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you well, know, Mike, we need to preserve the integrity of our precious bodily <laughs> fluids. Because there's no chemicals in our bodily fluids to begin with. No. Have you no. seen Doctor Strange Love, or is that just me no. going off on a really weird tangent? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so watch Doctor Strange Love. Okay, he'll thank me. <laughs> so there, there's a really nice site that I found while I was doing research for this. Uh, vaccines.com. I don't. I'm really glad that they got that site because <laughs> if the other side got to it first, uh, they just had. They have a little infographic of the odds that a child will. Certain things will happen to a child, and they're saying that you're like a hundred times more likely to get struck by lightning than to have an adverse reaction, an adverse allergic reaction to a vaccine. You're much more. Uh, you're a little bit more likely to become a billionaire than you are to get have an adverse reaction to a vaccine. Um, and you're almost twice as likely to be elected to U.S. Congress as you are to getting having an yeah. allergic reaction to a vaccine. I don't think Congress and billionaireism is as chance-related as getting a reaction, but... No, 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 no. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it has oh, no, my change. child has become a member of Congress. <laughs> oh, God. Why couldn't they have been struck down by an allergic Uh, yeah. so, another interesting, I mean, you, Nick, in your post, you posted a nice map that uh, is actually, I mean, the version on the site, the source site, is actually interactive. And yeah. so it shows the, the outbreaks in North America that have happened, almost all, if not all, caused by people not vaccinating their children. Well, it is in Canada anyway, because I'm not sure what the cost structure is like in the States. Not Should enough. be better now. Well, yeah, I guess. But, like, it's... All the outbreaks in Canada, basically, are people who are choosing not to vaccinate children. Just because, like... Because of Health Canada, they will give it to you unless you strictly... Or you specifically say, no, I don't want my child to have this vaccination. And... I remember in Ontario, anyway, I don't know if it's the same in Alberta, I think BC is jumping on this wagon too, but uh, we would have kids suspended from school every once in a while because their vaccinations weren't actually up to where they needed to be. 
Yeah. So they would just like, you know, some kids would just be booted out of school for a few days until they got the appropriate vaccinations and then came back. But like, yeah, MMR, it's like, it's completely preventable. It's like, I don't know how, like, what other thing you could liken that to, and that, you know, like, you could have stopped this, and it wouldn't have Mm -hmm. taken that much effort, and here we are, we have an outbreak. I read a a pretty good analogy, um, and it's probably the closest you could get to to choosing to not vaccinate, but it's, it's akin to taking your child home from the hospital without a car seat, and just putting your kid in the back seat, right? And, you know, you can say, like, oh, you know, autism, every kid who's ever had autism was taken home in a car seat, so why would I take my kid home in a car seat? And then, you know, you get in an accident and your kid dies, and it's like, oh, well, it's completely preventable. And, you know, there's all this research and, um, you know, just common sense to say, no, it's it's safer to put your kid in a car seat. But despite those that common sense, you're making that choice for your kid, and, you know, you pay for it if... Something bad happens, I guess. Yeah. Um, so another question that I had, uh, which is more just a sort of a, a ponderance, is what what do you guys think the future of vaccines looks like? Are we gonna? I mean, there there are first of all, on the on the other side, we have a bunch of bacterial infections that are treated by antibiotics that are becoming immune to those antibiotics that are developing resistances. Uh, So basically people are getting sick in hospitals and they don't have any drugs that can, that can treat these. Um, Do you think that vaccines, I mean, is this going to end and people are going to start like restart vaccinating their kids? Or is this just going to get worse, and then we're going to start seeing bigger outbreaks? Are you like, are you guys more cynical or more hopeful? Well, Mike, why don't you? I think it can only get worse. You think we've I... we've basically we we reached peak vaccination a couple yeah. of years ago? And yeah, it's... because I think I think with the rise of the internet and the media and the minority side of science getting their word in edgewise and reaching that many more people. When you have people like Jenny McCarthy spreading that word around, um, you know, like before you'd just be like, oh yeah, you're getting vaccinated, that's just what you do. But now there's this uprising of, you know, a secondary source of information and it's making people have second thoughts and, you know, all the stuff about, like, I don't know, like, just a movement for the counterculture, I think, is kind of what it is. Like, oh, well, I don't need to get my kid vaccinated. It's kind of like the hip thing to do, almost. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, I, I've read several sites saying that you have, a, like, almost like you have a, you have a choice. Know your yeah. options. You don't yeah. Have to. yeah, yeah, right, exactly, right? And it's like, well, there's a reason why people have been doing it for this long. It's not, like, right. I don't know. It shouldn't be voluntary, almost. Yeah. You're causing a danger to everyone else. How about you, Nick? What do you think? Um, there is the Darwinistic argument 
<laughs> oh no, we went there. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I don't think you can make that really because it's no. a matter of choice for people. There's like definitely. I don't know. I'm sure there are going to be like cultural influences on that. Like maybe after we have a few MMR outbreaks and like as bad as it is, it might take some kids dying in order for people to like having kids already died. Yeah. I I don't know. I I'm pretty sure lots of kids have. I think in Canada though to raise alarms, but yeah, they. Those outbreaks haven't yeah. been like there's nine. Yeah. Well, that sucks because it's gonna. How many kids are gonna have to die to like prove the point that maybe you should actually get your kids vaccinated? I'm sure. I'm sure a time will come when they figure that out. I just don't know how far away it is. Well, when they figure it out again, because they figured it out when vaccines were first. Yeah, <laughs> but that was when you had like 500 cases per hundred thousand people or something like that. And then everyone was like, yeah, this is really bad. Like, I think there's one of the U.S. presidents was wheelchair-bound because he had polio as a child. And so, yeah, like, stuff like that. Like, it was just so prevalent earlier on in the 20th century that people were like, yeah, this shouldn't happen. This is terrible. I don't know. Maybe we'll get there. I hope we get there. Yeah. Although... In terms of antibacterial resistance and things like that, I think that's a slightly different question if you want to go into that now. Or if you want to finish up peak vaccination arguments. Uh, Well, I mean, we'll just mention, I think it's worth mentioning that there's a bit of hope. Uh, We tweeted an article this morning about how the BBC has decided to stop giving quote-unquote fair coverage to both sides of an argument. Yeah. If one is not scientifically valid and the other one is has research and everything to back it up, they don't have to equally cover both both sides. The That's an excellent argument. Yeah. <laughs> if only Fox News could could uh, bring themselves to do that. Have they ever fairly represented? Have they ever fairly represented something that's supported by science? <laughs> well, they have. They have done things. That like are, they'll have people on, but they'll be like. Bill Nye, you're an idiot. Can you comment on that? <laughs> yeah. I've, heard, I've seen some interesting stuff come out of Fox News recently. When they had uh, Dick Cheney on a few weeks ago now, um, Megyn Kelly called him out and basically said, you were wrong about Iraq. Like He was he was basically saying, we're wrong. It's, we should go back. It was wrong of us to leave. And, uh, she was. She called him out on TV and said, "No, you were wrong. Like, you said there were weapons of mass destruction and there weren't." So I, I'm. I want to be hopeful. I don't know if it's if, like, sort of those more sensationalist um, news organizations are going to start coming around and being reasonable and seeing mm-hmm. the the reason in arguments rather than just trying to yeah. sell ads and. Stir up controversy, but I'm I'm hopeful that it'll get better. Yeah, I think when it comes to high-profile stuff like that, like the war in Iraq or, or that kind of stuff, then yeah, you'll you'll see a more you know reasoned out thought process as opposed to representing both sides or whatever. But I think when you have you know the little science pieces at the end of the newscast that are just filler, 
then you're going to get like the secondary or the the minority sides kind of coming out of the woodwork and you're like oh well that's kind of cool and like that's and then that's all's left at it's like no that's not right and may, maybe with those it's not a big deal like you know with I don't know like the what was it the 2010 2000 end of the world 2010 or whatever it was it was a 2012 yeah that's what it was um, right now that was a big thing and all the new sites were, were spouting that and it's like there's nothing to that yeah um, but but the Mayans <laughs> They were so wise. Just look at them now. Oh, wait. <laughs> I was going to say, if they foresaw the end of the world, maybe they would have foreseen the Spanish coming. Just saying. <laughs> There's a lot of money in fear, and I think that's a good reason, well, not a good reason, but a, a, a reason why news organizations do cover this in the way they do is that there's not a lot of money in people not being sick and there's not a lot of money in people not being afraid of something. Uh, so it's not interesting to have someone come on the news and say a new vaccine was developed for some virus. You should go to your doctor and get it. It's that's not selling anything long term. That's just it's it's boring and it's it's menial. Rob, what about big pharma wanting to sell their vaccines and keep people sick? What about I that? Saw, I saw a thing on that. <laughs> yeah. Vaccinations vaccinations represent what? Like 3% of their total profits? <laughs> it's like stuff for restless leg, restless leg syndrome and boners that are actually like making the money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not great. So another one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and this is sort of this is something that I've been curious about since I was fairly young, uh, and I'll start with a bit of background. So the cold is also a virus that's so similar to the flu, uh, but it's it's not like the flu. It's not it's not exactly the flu. Well, the the cold is a bacterial infection, and the flu is a viral infection. No, the cold is definitely a rhino. Like the rhinovirus is. Oh. <laughs> but so and and so I started thinking when I when I first thought about it, when I learned that you can't take antibiotics to treat a virus, you have to get vaccines. You have to develop a vaccine. I thought, well, why can't like if we can't cure the common cold with antibiotics, why can't we just create a vaccine for the cold? And it's sort of the, it's the case of that the fact that it changes even faster than influenza. So we, you can develop vaccines for a specific strain of cold, but by the time you've developed it over a year or two, it's completely different, and the vaccine just doesn't work on the current strain. Mm -hmm. And that's why you can get several colds in a season, because it changes so quickly that like, you can almost go between two people and have one, one person catch a cold and then give it to the other person, and then it'll mutate and then give it back, and you can just sort of that stay. happens regularly in our house. Yeah, <laughs> between the three of us. <laughs> it, well, it happens a lot in schools too that yeah. people get sick, and sometimes a really bad one will go through, and you'll see one wave. Um, but in other cases, everyone for the winter is just sort of con continually sick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that sated my curiosity on that topic that you uh, you can't really you can try to cure. The, 
the cold with a vaccine, but it's going to take a little bit like the next generation of vaccines to to sort of wipe out an entire family of viruses. Evolution, right? Yep. Jeez. <laughs> Nick, you had a point you wanted to bring up. Why don't you bring it up? Oh, good. <laughs> no, you were talking about like antibacterial resistant bacteria. Yeah. Um, and like, if you have we all heard of C. difficile? Yes. Okay, well, Mike, it's actually a big problem in Quebec, so I would understand why you hadn't heard of it. <laughs> you, but, you should watch... Yeah. Uh, there's a video from... I believe it's... It's either ASAP Science or Minute Earth where they talk about this, but um, we'll put a link to it. Okay. 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 Go ahead, Nick. Continue. Yeah, so C. difficile... Uh, became a big problem in Quebec in, I want to say, like the 60s or 70s or something like that, maybe earlier, maybe later. But um, you would put people on broad-spectrum antibiotics, so things that just wipe out everything, and then they would suddenly get even sicker and just, they'd be gone, and they didn't understand what was happening. Hmm. But what they figured out is there's one strain of bacteria called C. difficile, and it's resistant to, I think, almost all, if not all, of the available antibacterials we have. And uh, so what happens is when you're on a broad-spectrum antibiotic, it exists in your lower intestines, in your gut. So you wipe out the entire microbiome, like all the bacteria that you have there anyway, and then C. difficile has no competition, nothing to hold it back, and so it just spreads and completely takes hold. And so what has become a viable cure for this and some other similar bacteria is actually a poop transplant. You take the feces of a healthy patient and then transplant it into like the lower intestine of another patient which introduces like competitive bacteria and then can hold C. difficile at bay. So maybe the future of antibacterial or, you know, the fight against bacteria is poop. Yeah. I think I saw an episode of House on that once. Didn't he uh, do some sort of like poop transplant type thing? Maybe not. Probably. That sounds like something. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And I, I mean the work specifically, but they certainly had they certainly had a lot of episodes that circled around uh, broad spectrum antibiotics and antibiotics like yeah. not not yeah. working right that couldn't be cured by any of them yeah and have we heard about the human microbiome project much at all uh, a little bit <laughs> man I got to write a blog post yeah <laughs> you want to talk Is about it. it? It's interesting to... stuff. Like, it's actually like the study of the little biome inside a human gut, and like the various effects that that can have on the entire human body. Mm -hmm. Even like in rats and stuff like that, they took, like, they did a fecal transplant from a healthy mouse to an obese mouse, continued feeding them the same, continued doing everything the same. But once you had that transplant, the obese mouse was suddenly in much better shape hmm. because of poop. Yeah. 
I'm impressed at everyone's lack or ability to like not giggle at the word poop. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's gonna be like the next diet fad. <laughs> As opposed to animas, the re- a reverse. I know. <laughs> My friend Jenny is so skinny. <laughs> I just wish she'd donate. <laughs> There's something to be said for the fact that we as a species, have gone from being supposedly so dirty in the sort of Middle Ages and Dark Ages and be, and before that to now where we have all kinds of cleaning products and soap and body wash and shampoo and deporanizer and exfoliators. And I, I'm making up words now, but <laughs> one those, at least one of those. Yeah, exfoliators. Who's ever heard of an exfoliator? <laughs> so, but there was also, and, and we talked about this. I don't know. I don't think it was necessarily in an episode, but we talked about uh, how, as well, the skin has a microbiome, and it's doing a pretty darn good job of keeping us clean and keeping us healthy. Uh, to the point that I, for the last two, two or three years, maybe, have not. I have never. I I make a point not to wash my face with soap. I I rinse it with water. And like I'll clean it if it's dirty, but I don't put soap on it. And I was really hoping that this was going to go. For no. the past two or three years, <laughs> I have not bathed. <laughs> there are people who do that. Um, I'm not. I'm not one of them. I'm not in a circumstance. I would love to be. By the way, I would be a test subject for that. <laughs> not out of laziness, but out of science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but and I found that since doing that. My face, like my complexion, is way healthier since I stopped. Like I don't, I'll wash my hair and I'll, I'll wash my body, but like I, I leave the face completely alone, and it works wonders. Like I could spend twenty dollars a month and on all these products and working really, really hard, but this has worked really, really well for me, and I wouldn't even think of going back to, to washing my face with soap. Or any sort of product. I would love to. I would. I would love to expand the project to include, not, not cl- like not cleaning myself with. Disinfectant. Does Julia watch the watch these just out of curiosity? <laughs> no, I've told her. I told her when we when we talked about the skin, the the rinse, um, that that would be amazing. And her I would, response? I would absolutely, volunteer for that. She, I think she said that if I went something like if I went to a some compound and did it over there, <laughs> she'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I wasn't near her. You know, you put the ring on the finger, you go away to a compound. It's it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there are lots of people uh, who can get away with, or quote unquote, get away with either not washing their hair for a couple of days or, or washing their hair once a week. Uh, or like skipping showers that, and it, they just won't be affected. And I, I don't think I'm there, but I think that I'm not there specifically because, well, a, I exercise a lot, and b, I, I clean myself rigorously. So my, I would say my biome is sort of not really all that great. Um, you have, I mean, you have all kinds of bacteria on you. It's it's terrifying to think about, except that you have to consider that we've been doing it like 
they were actually here before humans ever existed. And they've just, they've adapted to us coming along, but they're just on literally every surface you can possibly imagine and a lot more prevalent than us. <laughs> yep. A good quote on that one is like, uh, regarding Queen Victoria, I'm awful and can't remember when she was the monarch, but... Um, That's not awful. That's fine. <laughs> if you read my post on the monarchy, you'd know how I feel, Rob. You should go back and read that again. Um, no, it was... Like, she used to bathe once, once a month, but, like, when they publicized the fact that she bathed once a month, they would say, whether she needed to or not. Yeah. Well, it's it's as if, as if there was a point where she wouldn't need to bathe after a month. Yeah, well, you know, some months you get sweaty and dirty, I guess, and some months you just <laughs> don't. Like thirty days elapse, and you haven't really gotten messy. Yeah. Past a certain age, you sort of stop spilling food on yourself and crawling around in the dirt. You're, you're more refined. I hope that. I never get to that age where I stop crawling around in the dirt. <laughs> Uh, so, I we're I think we're probably close to done here. Did we talk much? Did we talk enough about herd immunity? Because I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about vaccines, is that it's sort of the same lines uh, as voting, where you go, I don't have to vote. Uh, my vote, it doesn't matter. I'm like, it's I'm not going to impact the entire political spectrum with my vote. And Which so, I'm um, pretty sure is a direct quote from yourself from, like, 2000. <laughs> and I even went as far as to say, no, 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 I know that I know that on a global scale, like, that attitude is wrong, but I still think it applies to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> even if everyone else gets that message and that's great and they vote, I still don't matter. <laughs> But uh, and in an analogy to vaccines, people think, oh, you know, if everyone else is vaccinated, then my kids are safe. Even though these, these grown adults who are making these decisions were vaccinated and are not, like, they're immune to this uh, virus because, specifically because they were vaccinated, they still feel like it's bad and that... Um, Basically, the immunity of the herd of, of or the school or whatever group you uh, spend most of your time in, if most of them or all of them are immunized, then it's okay if one person isn't. Mm -hmm. And again, technically, like in my case, that is technically true to a point, but we've started to tip back towards where enough people are not vaccinated that it's yeah. there are outbreaks happening because herds of people are not vaccinated, or yeah. there's enough in the herd that aren't. Yeah. Well, apparently, like, I think the actual figures on that are, like, it has to be greater than 80% yeah. to be vaccinated for the group to be resistant to right. whatever you're talking about. It's, But, yeah, we definitely plummeted below 80%, clearly, because we see outbreaks now. Yeah. Well, and for one, my understanding of herd immunity is that the intent is to protect those who can't be vaccinated yeah, not, exactly. yeah not not the ones who choose not to and also 
yeah, it's like, okay, if, if all you're ever going to be in is like at your school and at home, sure, and then your 80% is there, but what if you go to the mall or you go wherever else and your herd is going to change and you can't rely on every herd being vaccinated to protect you, right? Can, so you, it's imagine, like, can you imagine an anti-vaxxer support group? <laughs> place would have no immunity. <laughs> the best kind of irony. And another sort of misunderstanding on that note is that herd immunity is a group phenomenon. So what it is, what the whole concept is, is that it prevents the virus from spreading, mm-hmm. but it doesn't prevent individual unvaccinated yeah. people from getting it. So yeah. you, you absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If you, if someone has been vaccinated and gets the flu, like has it transmitted to them, they can carry the flu but not show symptoms and you can catch it from them. Like that, that doesn't necessarily protect you being around people who've been vaccinated. It makes it less likely, sure, but it doesn't, you should still just get vaccinated. (laughs) That's the moral of this entire thing is don't be ridiculous. There's a... There's an interesting website, and I'll put a link. Uh, it's it's sort of the most uh, the most simple website you could ever possibly uh, create. It's called uh, howdovaccinescauseautism.com. <laughs> and uh, did, did you the good side it. get that one, or did the bad side? No, no. Uh, shout out to Becca Hay for brought, who brought this to our attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I won't, I won't, uh, ruin this podcast or this webcast by, by describing the site to you, but how do vaccines cause autism.com you should go check it out. Lots of good information on that site. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's impeccable. Very good. Yeah. Any last words, guys? I think I'm, I'm out of, I'm out of points to make other than go get your vaccinations if you haven't or get your kids vaccinated if you haven't. Does uh, I'd like to know what uh, Mike's daughter's situation is right now. She's fully up to date. Thank you for asking. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> You're one of the good guys. <laughs> I even got a flu vaccine this year. Nice. Nice. I um, I think if I had to have a closing remark, it would be that if more people read my blog, we wouldn't have this problem. If every if it was mandated reading, <laughs> problem. <laughs> Get me Harper on the phone. Rob, you're in Ottawa. You can do that, right? Yeah. Or if you're a Playboy bunny. Yeah. I don't get that reference, but that is probably true. Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. Oh yes. <laughs> I, I actually, I get, I I understand that she would be, but I did not know that she formerly was. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that would work. So one of us needs to get, like, in absolutely great shape, then post for some, like, I don't know, some skin bag that housewives covet, <laughs> yeah. and then spread the message that way. Okay. Well, if, if any of us can get on The View, that would be a good start. Although I think she's just gotten, or she's left the show or something. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure that's a female-centric show. I... That's why we would get on it being centerfold of oh. this magazine. <laughs> For a very different women, except the one guy, with very different views. <laughs> no, we wouldn't be on the guest. We wouldn't be a host. <laughs> <laughs>
Fine, set your set your goals low, Rob. <laughs> set your goals completely unreasonable, Nick. <laughs> this has gone on too long. Yes, I'm a girl. <laughs> All right, I'm ending this. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week, but it it'll be tech and we might do music. I'm thinking about music. Just music. I also might. We. Uh, I've been thinking about sports too. Um, stuff like instant replay and 4K and goal line technology with the World Cup going on. Ooh, that would I'm be good. Bouncing some ideas around on that. It's funny because World Cup and bouncing. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, so uh, have a good week, you guys, and I'll next week. Bye bye now. Hey, see you, Rob. Bye.